if you know me at all, ask or even ask my husband, what do I hate the most? And when am I most unhappy? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's usually Sunday morning, about 10 minutes before church, because we're going to be late and I can't stand being late. Well, there was a time when I was intentionally late to things, waiting, watching the clock, waiting until it was time to go so that I could be late on purpose, squeeze into the back of church or wherever I was going, hoping that no one would see me. I could sit there, listen, and leave without being seen. You know, this looks different for different people. It could be overeating or undereating, loneliness, sitting in the back, saying no to invites, or even self-harm, or crying, or even bullying others to try to hide it. What is it? Its name is shame, and today I'm going to expose it and empower you with these two tips so you can walk in freedom. So go grab your coffee and get ready, because here we go. This isn't a game of ding dong ditch, and don't worry, I'm not a solar panel salesman. I'm just here to see you, friend. Whether you have spit up stains and cluttered counters, or you're still in your heels from work and just getting dinner started, take a minute and come sit with me. Welcome to the JAR podcast with your host, Lydia, certified teacher, homeschool boy mom, oh Lord help me, and marriage ministry leader, bringing you tough lessons from my own journey to soul health and wholeness. Together each week, we'll discuss our struggles, pain, and shame. We'll combat labels and lies with biblical truth, and we'll work through our mess and come out stronger, more confident, and rooted in our identity in Christ. So move your pile of laundry over. Better yet, let me help you fold it while we talk. Thanks for letting me in. Now let's get real. According to Brene Brown, the author of several amazing books, one being The Gifts of Imperfection, she's a researcher on shame. She says that shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. We feel like we don't belong in a room or with a group of people or that we deserve to be loved by someone or others. And we believe that there's there's something wrong with us or that we're inherently bad and that we can't get out of our, our mess when we feel shame. It's this extremely painful, she calls it intense, painful feeling that just kind of is like in the pit of your stomach. It's when we're so focused on our concept of ourself, who we are to the core, and this makes us feel certain things aside from shame. Like what's the snowball that shame makes us feel? It can lead us to feeling uh, alone or invisible. No one sees us. No one cares about us. Maybe we even ostracize ourselves from events or groups of people compounding that feeling of feeling alone. We feel small or inadequate or unworthy. What was that catalyst to shame? It can be something that someone did to us or an action or behavior that we ourselves did that's typically sinful or sin-related. And I think of the woman at the well. I think of why, why was she alone? Why was she going to the well in the middle of the day? herself. She felt 
unseen. She felt ostracized. She intentionally probably chose to go to the well at a different time than the rest of the women because she didn't feel like she belonged. I think of uh, Judas Iscariot, the one that betrayed Jesus. He ultimately committed the the end-all, be-all self-harm because he felt shame for what he did and shame consumed him and sort of spiraled him further away from positive change. And so shame can have extreme consequences if it's not battled, if it's not addressed, if it's not spoken, if it's allowed to grow and to continue to to be hidden. And so today I'm going to talk about just a couple tips that can help you break this cycle, this bondage that maybe you feel with shame. And maybe you didn't even identify it as shame to begin with. A lot of us don't walk around thinking, I feel shame, or that we're aware that that's the the actual reason. All we see are either the the outward effects, like it could be things like uh, biting your nails, or uh, for me, it was vomiting every day for a while. It could be indulging and some people call it eating your feelings. It could be engaging in really risky behavior, or it could be sitting alone. When you see someone sitting alone, there could be a reason for that. That's a little bit deeper than what you see. Of course, not all of those behaviors mean that it's because of shame, but shame can come out or be manifested in those ways. How do we sort of battle this? How do we practically battle shame? Because you know, a lot of people will talk about overcoming shame or not letting it rule over them and give you some, you know, cute little quotes and stuff. But I really want to dig deep into what the Word of God says and how to handle it and take some tips from that. So I'm going to start with the Word. I'm going to start with a scripture from, let's see, from 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. It says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I love that verse so much because it talks about bringing things to light by confessing, by sharing it, by bringing it to the foreground. And he, Jesus, walked in the light and his foundation as a, as a human was the truth, kind of no matter what it did or, or how it rubbed people the wrong way. The truth was what set people free. The truth was the light that he walked in. And so two tips. Tip number one is to face that fear, to face the fear of wanting to hide, to face the fear of other people becoming aware of your circumstances. Again, whether it was something that was a long time ago or just yesterday, whatever it was, shame wants to cover it up and hide it and keep it buried, all that does is create a rotten place for it to fester and grow. When we face our fear, we speak that shame to the right people, people that will understand or show us empathy or forgive us or love on us. Shame cannot survive when it's spoken. That's like Satan wanting to keep something to hold over our heads, something to call us by, because there's that saying that Satan knows our name, but calls us by our sin. And 
Jesus knows our sin, but calls us by our name. And Satan wants to, to keep our, our sins or our shame or our circumstances in the forefront of our minds. He wants to keep it uh, for others to see, like the scarlet letter. He wants to keep it buried so that the light is not seen, so that we're not walking in freedom, so that we're not walking in the light and, and in that truth. So how do we face our fear and do that? It's going to require a little bit of tip number two, a lot of tip number two, which is to open up, to connect, and to be vulnerable, to confess, to share it, say it out loud. I remember when my husband and I were about to start leading, or actually we had just finished going through the marriage program that uh, we walked through. It's like a four-month-long uh, course that we walked through in a small group setting in our church, and it was transformational. We had started at this horrible place of just reconciling um, and getting rid of our divorce papers that were almost there, and we walked through it and came out um, just with a renewed commitment and hope and all of that. And I remember instantly feeling like we need to be a part of this. We've got to be a part of this. And he was a little more hesitant and didn't really want to lead others. Maybe he didn't feel qualified or felt like we weren't at a good enough place yet. And I respected that and realized, you know, God's going to give us both that peace if that's what we're meant to step into. And not right away, but eventually he looked at me and he said, you know what? I feel like this is not our story. Our brokenness, our healing, our, our marriage mending, that's God's story. And that needs to be said. And I feel like Satan wants us to keep it quiet, but that we need to talk about it. And that was what flipped the switch. And we dove in and we, since then, walked through um, facilitators for three small groups for about a dozen couples over the course of about a year and a half, and we just love it. But it was because we didn't, or we made the conscious decision to bring it to the light, to talk about it, to open up. And being vulnerable with people is not, it's not easy. Um, it's, it's risky. It's emotional exposure. You feel like you're naked. Sitting in front of people giving our testimony felt like they were staring at, you know, a pimple on my face or something. Like, it's real and raw. And sometimes you don't know how people are going to react. And some people might uh, judge you for it. <laughs> some people might walk away. But that's a risk that you're going to have to at some point be willing to take because it's the only way to grow. The only way to change is by bringing that shame to the forefront and naming it. And, you know, again, I think about the woman at the well and I think about Jesus. He just went right for it. He dug right in, saw right through her her facade, whatever it was, and called out her behavior, her choices, the way that she was feeling. Um, he exposed that. And, you know, it didn't go very well the, the first time. You know, she, she still tried to beat around the bush or talk in these big religious terms. And he's like, no, I see you. And this is what's happening. And this is what I have for you instead. And as soon as that clicked with her, she just, she ran with freedom back to her hometown where people knew her reputation. People knew all about her stuff. She ran without hesitation to go tell everybody. When, once that shame is exposed to the light, you have this renewed sense of freedom and all of a sudden, the opposite feelings of instead of not belonging, you feel like you belong. 
instead of feeling invisible, you feel like you're so visible and everyone can see you and who cares because look what God's done. Instead of feeling small, you feel like the biggest, bravest person. I wouldn't say that the journey necessarily is always that quick that where, you know, you go from being alone in the middle of the day at the well by yourself and then confronted and then you're just like running back into this crowded city full of people to go share with them. It might be more of a of a journey for you as you learn to continue to walk in connection and continue to confess it and keep it in the light and not bury it again. But I would say the way that that happens is sort of continuing with this second tip of opening up is connecting with people. Jesus stayed connected with his close people. He modeled what it was like to connect with people, ask the tough questions, be real and honest with people, expose their stuff and be that iron that sharpens iron. And we, when we walk in the light and we confess our sins to to one another, um, and to him, God is faithful and he's going to forgive us and purify us, but it's the people around us that are going to keep us accountable. They're going to show us Christ's love and sympathy. They're going to model that forgiveness and model that grace. Grace is really what allows that change to happen. When, when grace is extended to you in the middle of experiencing shame or feeling shame, you no longer feel like you have to stay stuck in there. You can do something different and work your way out of that with the grace of God. And I just encourage you today that if you either have something buried from a long time ago that maybe nobody knows about, maybe just a few people know about it, or maybe it's something that you thought, oh yeah, I've, I've, that was so long ago, it doesn't even matter anymore. Or it still once in a while will come up in the back of your mind, but you just kind of shove it back down. I encourage you to bring it to the light. I encourage you first to pray about it and to ask God to give you um, the courage and also the right people in your path with which to share it. Because you don't just, again, want to air all your dirty laundry to the world, but to, to someone that you trust even just writing it down so that it's not stuck in your head. If you're not ready to share it out loud, write it down. Get a journal, type it on your computer, do something that's going to be that first step to bringing it to the light. And confessing it to someone is a good next step. And then I encourage you to have um, a few people in your life that know about that and that can check in on you once in a while and say, hey, how are you doing with this? Or maybe they know what your tendencies are when or what it looks like for you specifically when you start to go down that path of shame again or when you start to let those feelings of shame come over you again whether it's going to the fridge and eating your feelings or the opposite and you suddenly are losing weight and you know don't really have a good explanation for it maybe it's less of a physical thing but it's more of your behavior and maybe you suddenly start declining their invitations maybe you start to they're reaching out to you and you're not really around and they're going to know, hmm, maybe she's feeling a certain way. And so then they can check in on you and say, hey, I've noticed that you've kind of started to whatever it is. But those people have that permission and ability to love you in that way and keep you walking in the light. And of course, the ultimate is for you to be in the word every day. There's really nothing else to replace that. No person, no devotion, just the word itself. Go straight to it. Start in 1 John and just repeat it. 
write it somewhere, memorize that verse or some other verses that might speak to you and keep the word in front of you because as it says in Psalms, I think it's 119 verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He will light the way and show you how to continue walking in that freedom when you keep him first. So girl, it's time to kick that shame to the curb, practice these tips, and remember that you are fearfully, wonderfully made. No matter what you've done, no matter what someone's done to you, you are special, you are seen, you are visible, you're not alone. God sees you, and He is the light. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.